The others, where are they? Arthur Curry, the Aquaman. It's on him. Organic and biomechatronic body parts. He's a cyborg. You should probably move. Barry Allen. Whoever you're looking for, it's not me. You're the Batman. They said the age of heroes would never come again. It has to. Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 120. Holy moly. And my name is Scott. My name is Jared. My name is Michael. My name is Mike. Oh, what? what? It's not a comic. Confusing. It's not a comic book movie, but... I'm here. Mike's here anyway. Weird, but awesome. Fight the fact. It's yeah. the only thing I can you speak argue intelligently with, about. You could argue it's a comic book movie, because it's not like there haven't been alien comics. There are alien versus predator comics. There are. I own them. <laughs> uh, this is a big one, guys. Today's episode, we're going to catch up on the films and TV shows we've been watching, as well as the week in film news, before Alien Covenant bursts out of our chests. Or your back. Your back. Or your back. Or your, your mouth. Or your mouth. Barf, barf it up. Yeah, it's, it comes out anywhere now. It's Luckily, we're not watching Dreamcatcher, where it comes out of your butt. That's true. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Sorry. That would have been. That's what happens. Better? Everyone's farting and shitting out aliens. But uh, not, not an alien covenant. Thank God. No, that wouldn't have been better, by the way. But no. we have a lot to say about this one. It's going to be some heavy spoilers. This one's going to get nasty and slimy and bloody. Uh, Ridley Scott. What are you doing? Most of the cast are going to get eaten. What is he doing? We'll discuss that in the main segment. <laughs> I mean, I mean the podcast cast. Who like, is in the driver's seat? Like, who is in the pilot seat of the Covenant? I know it's Tennessee, but Danny McBride. But you know, Ridley Scott is crashing. He's crashing the spaceship, isn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, he's the voice of Mother. Uh, you can subscribe to all of our episodes <laughs> on Stitcher, Google Play Music iTunes, or the podcast software of your choice. Our website is verticalviewingperiod.com. Dot com. Period com. You click on the donate button on our website, and that's when you just want to have a one-night stand with the podcast. Wham, bam. You drop a little donation in, one cent. Just the tip. If you want. Just the tip, yeah. That's true. (laughs) Damn. But yeah, long-term relationships, you can go to our Patreon. Oh, Right? Is that where I think I heard something about like elements or Well, I mean if you just want the one time donation on verticalviewing.com, PayPal can cover you. Sweet. But patreon.com slash verticalviewing dot com, period com, <laughs> decimal com. Get over it, man. Slash vertical viewing. Yeah. Yeah. Pay, uh, hydrogen, helium, or lithium level subscriptions available. One you got two, it. three dollars a month. We would love to have you help us out month mm-hmm. after month. Mm-hmm. We make the show week after week. Yes. Our uh beloved patrons Nick, Chris, and Martin take Pips. care of they, they help us keep the lights on every uh week. They're electricians. Yeah. They are. Like they help us offset the cost of seeing movies. 
They run theaters. They are the producers of this show. Yeah, they actually are. They actually <laughs> can dictate what movies we may be reviewing. I sent out a batch of emails this week to our patrons. Nice. Requesting any film. Some feedback, perhaps. Maybe under three hours in length, hopefully. I don't know. Do those exist? Don't punish us. Don't make us watch, watch Andy Warhol's eight hours of a guy is sleeping. That a, is that a movie? Das Boot. Man, there's some long ones. I guess we're at the whim of our patrons, so tell us what you want us to review. We will do a review just for you. If you want to be like really sort of... Artisanal. We make artisanal no. podcasts. If, if you're a patron, you can tell us <laughs> whether or not we release it to the public. So if you want to feel really special, we can review a movie just for you. We'll use yes, your name. We'll, and then we'll refer to you in person throughout the review. We ask you if you want anyone else to hear it. That, that sounds how, pretty sweet. That's how much you're in the driver's seat of this one, man. Uh, it's like interactive, folks. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Uh, you're, be you a can, part of the show. You can send your thoughts and recommendations to our email address, which is verticalviewing at gmail.com. It is. We can, we're on Twitter as well. We are. Uh, we you, talk about like movies and you, stuff. Yeah, you can check us out on Instagram, Vertical Viewing Podcast. I'm on Letterboxd. None of you guys are. <laughs> I have put, never said anything about it. <laughs> well, it's really good, and uh, you don't have to write everything down in your Return of the Jedi book. You know, you still have notes. I know I do. I, I, I so want to. I, I really do. love writing and writing um, notebook. Yeah, on Letterboxd, S K O T T E. That's 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 what's up. What's up? Uh, there's some news though, which we can get to before we get to the show. Yeah, a few few some tidbits. tidbits. Things have happened in the last. There's a ton of shit. Week and and uh, unfortunately, we got to start it off on a downer note. Oh yes, Zack Snyder's daughter took her life in March. Apparently, yeah, and they kept it under mm. on the down low. So yeah, that's he, interesting. It's been like two, he, three months, and I think Snyder con- tried to continue keep working. Yeah, but it. He's it's not too much. He's not. Yeah. And now there's reshoots happening for Justice League, and the post production process continues. I guess till like November, with Joss Whedon helming things, huh. which so sounds interesting. So all of this taken, all, well, all of this taken with like complete condolences and just what a tragic situation. Of course, of course. And the fact that this so regrettable. Well, the fact that this movie will now have a strange stamp on it of, you know, the director. Not even being able to complete it. Well, it's going to be interesting as the discussions go because we know on the internet people are assholes. So if this movie turns out to be good because of Joss Whedon stepping in, there's going to be the inevitable shit talking about yeah. Zack Snyder's daughter and crap like that. Would, so wouldn't they have this already storyboarded? No. Well, this people they're saying that like. We won't even really have to do much. It's like the characters are created. The scene is already set. It's just a matter of following the formula that he is so obviously set. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if Whedon... When has Whedon ever really won? Well, I guess he can do that. I don't know. I hope he doesn't. I love what he does, so... These films are nowhere... Like, you saw what happened with Rogue One. This time last year, they were still shooting extra scenes, right? Yeah for a movie that was coming out in several months. So these things are always down to the wire and they seem to be sloppier productions. Like as uh, these, these big budget movies seem to be getting harder and harder for the studios to get made smoothly. 
I wonder if there's just more micromanaging going on these days, like reactionary tactics from the studio execs and stuff like that based on... Yeah, you can't just like make make one of these and just churn it out. I mean, maybe Alien Covenant, oddly enough, is one that feels like it was just fast-tracked and no no issues during production, just smooth sailing, just like stamp it out almost like a factory, just quickly manufactured it. I think that's the the problem is that that rate of production, like you, if something happens on set, like if, a, if you're making a movie and there's a tragedy, you should be able to put the movie on hold and pick it up again later. But the, the pace of the industry doesn't let that happen. No. You know, like there's no way that you could possibly shelf something like Justice League for any amount of time. People want to see that. They want their summer blockbusters. They want they it want yesterday. It. Yeah, exactly. I don't <laughs> care about your daughter, Mr. Snyder. Give me my movie. Like, no. Like, it's yeah. something seriously tragic happened. Time out. Like, hold up. Well, don't forget that that's not just fan, you know, f- like, investors might be just as heartless as... A fan would right now, right? Like, but is there might, waiting, be, there might be somebody with a ton of money invested in Warner Brothers. But is, who says there's you guys are pu- you're not pushing this out of this fiscal year. I have there's too many investments riding on your company right now. Like you're not you can't push this movie to next year. You know, so deli- but you're still going to get your profits. Like it's still the money's still insured. I'm sure. So like I don't understand why we can't just hold off. Like. Slow down. We don't need 18 comic book movies every year and all this crap. Like, DC, your movies, these movies, like, DC movies suck. So speaking, speaking of not needing comic book movies, 18 comic book movies a year, Tom Hardy is the new Venom. That's so weird. It is so weird. Which, so who's doing which in, studio? In, is this in Sony Sony's, or Marvel? Sony's or? Spider-Man-less Spider-Man universe. Yeah. Because Spider-Man... Is gone now. Yeah. Whoa. No, no, no. This this should technically link up to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, Tan- mm. Tangentially. Because Sony, Sony still is... Lending the rights? Homecoming is still a Sony movie. I know, but there, I was reading discussion about how... Marvel's probably just going to keep pushing for those to keep that going. So Sony can't do any movies on their own with Spider-Man that Marvel doesn't approve. Yeah. That that's what I had kind of understood the the situation to So be it'll too. be it'll be interesting. If we'll see. if Venom is Marvel, it will be awesome because the latest you know incarnations we've seen of Spider-Man, I've really enjoyed. So I would really like to see what they do with Venom, but if it's a Sony joint, Man, I'm so disappointed. Like what? Like I'm, I'm just well, I'm, got I'm disappointed what? ahead of time because of every X <laughs> movie ever. Well, that, that's Fox. They've got that's Silver. Fox, yeah. They've got what? Not, Silver not Sable uh, and Black Cat movies what? planned too. Sony's doing these. Yeah, like they've got so a, they basically took all the side characters and they took all the Spider Man side characters. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I just think that they can't. They already did like a start and stop with the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies and they I don't think they can start and stop another universe. They can't afford that. Yeah, they're going to have like a splinter Marvel universe. They can't afford to. Like the, all of it's riding I think on the connection to Marvel right now. Yeah. Because I don't even think they'd even Sony wouldn't be making Spider-Man movies. They c- literally couldn't do it. Like what they can't bring in a new guy I believe in a separate a, universe. A quagmire. I'll call it. 
speaking of Spider-Man, all of our news stories are fucking perfect. <laughs> There's like a, a just a straight line. No, it's crazy. So speaking of Spider-Man, the page. Tom Holland, the new Spider-Man mm. in Homecoming, mm-hmm. is oh, the what? new Nathan Drake. The young Nathan Drake. So they're finally figuring out this Uncharted movie, and they've cast Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. He's only like 20 years too young. And he looks like he's 12. Yeah. Well, they cast him as the young Nathan Drake. So I don't think they've... I I don't I think the idea is that this film they're making is so they're starting the at the young. ground level so they'll sign Tom Holland for the next 20 years so they can just work their way through the uncharted stories. I think they're starting him young, yeah. Like they're playing maybe the long game like Logan maybe getting getting their Hugh Jackman young. I don't know. This is a developing story. Yeah. Oh. That'll be interesting. Um and then you wanted to talk about the Can Netflix controversy. Yeah, so I guess that what happened at Con... Con? Con. Um, con. You have to pronounce it con. like you have a big stick up your butt. Con Film Festival. Uh, they booed uh, Netflix. Bong Joon-ho's movie. And I have something to say about that. I have a bit of a uh, an opinion. So the idea here is that I kind of... Pedro Almodovar is one of the... Heads of Khan. And uh, he, he he basically said, like, this is a film festival, and the idea is that the 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 material and the and the, the things that you see at this festival are going to be projected in movie theaters. And the the films that Netflix is presenting here are are never going like are not intended to be shown in any movie theater. And so it's <clears throat> he's trying to just be a purist about film and theatrical projection and all of that. And I can see, like, it's the reason why OJ made in America the documentary. It won best documentary at the Oscars, and it's eight hours long. And then guess what? They changed the rules. So you can't make TV movies. Can't be episodic anymore. You can't have episodic TV movies in the Oscars anymore. And I think Cannes is doing the same thing. Con. They're, they're, I think they're trying to exclude movies that are intended for streaming only but they're on shakier ground i think then i i understand the episodic thing because it is more a series as opposed to yeah a single, single film. film yeah but these could be shown in a theater yeah def ex- yeah oh, so easily so beasts of no nation is a movie we reviewed it's unreal almost two years ago and that had a very limited theatrical run i don't think it came to canada i would have gone to see it in the theater yeah sure i would have it's a stunning movie like if a movie comp- organization made a deal with netflix to brought to show their films people would go watch them on I've, the big screen i've thought of this imagine if netflix had so alamo draft house is a big deal in the states people love those sort of deluxe it's awesome awesome VIP theater experience kind of, right? Imagine Netflix, your your Netflix subscription was like a hundred bucks a month, but you got to go to these Netflix theaters and watch the latest things maybe early before they hit Netflix streaming. Uh, and then you get a bunch of a deluxe, like Netflix could be making all this money off of your drinks yeah. and shit. Netflix I, should be getting into the real estate business. I too. don't know. But so That'd here's what I want to say to the people that booed at con. Um, if you think for some reason that Netflix is injurious or damaging to the film industry in some way, like 
give your head a shake. Netflix is not the one that's pumping out Transformer after Transformer after Transformer. Like, there's none of this garbage coming up. There is the occasional weird thing that happens, but it's because... And people are describing Netflix's approach to funding as like a shotgun or scattershot. At least it's original material. They're funding... At least it's original material. What do you call auteurs, right? Like, they're funding risk-taking... Ventures. Uh, wait a minute, I take that back. It's not original material. It's actually recycled eighties properties that they're <laughs> I don't feel back at home out. on this earth anymore, whatever the In hell this world. I forget that I get the title wrong every <laughs> it's a single time. And it's so good. Yeah. The movie. But they bury the good movies on Netflix from what yeah. I've heard. But anyways, so my point is Netflix is taking risks. It's producing good quality material. Yes, there is some sub quality, subpar stuff coming out. But Hollywood is by far cranking out just pile after pile of steaming hot poop from bums. <laughs> and I don't know how you dare you boo Netflix. I, I don't. Who? What kind of a dickhead was booing? Like, honestly, well, I want. Some, okay. Of, if any of you if, dickheads are listening. No, no, no. Stop right send there. Send an email your, your, to your foot's in your mouth. Your foot's in your mouth. If you don't. The word booing and con are synonymous like booing at con is is a thing like you can read about this like it it is a thing it's a tradition it's a strange bizarre but you're you're more encouraged to boo there than elsewhere it's literally a thing that happens at con it's like the apollo of film festivals (laughs) i i I can't explain how i cannot explain how interconnected booing and can are like i'm i'm serious there's your documentary topic it's interesting. Hmm. I've never heard this, so I find it interesting. Interesting, indeed. The the the, the films that have gotten booed at Cannes, like it, they will do it for the most bizarre reasons. Well, they're French, so yeah, and I think that's like if it offends French sensibilities. Le boo. It, it, <laughs> it, yeah. Um, <laughs> guys, let's let's start the show proper here. Red, you don't have much. We should probably zip through this if we can. Okay, let's. Um, the only thing that I really have on my list this week is that I went to see uh, the Canadian celebrity uh, star of CBC's Mr. D, Jerry D, uh, in Vancouver last week. So you're, you're hitting up the stand-up comedy a lot. These yeah, days. I've been on a bit of a kick. Um, I also, I mean, I did watch a little bit of uh, Verdas, or I think that's his name. Are you okay? Verdas has a special on uh, Netflix that I was watching, but it wasn't very good, so I won't talk about it. And But yeah, Jerry D was hilarious. If you guys don't watch Mr. D, I don't know if it's just because I'm a teacher. It probably is, but yes. this humor is... I mean, Jerry D worked for uh, Sportsnet, He I was believe. very funny on in a sportscaster environment because he's... He was like a Jay Onright type uh, humor, except he... Jay Onright uh, is more like the... Um, John Stewart, whereas Jerry, Jerry has like D a Will Ferrell kind uh, of vibe. Stephen Colbert, he's like in a character. Is a good show. It was very good. All right, and I would like to just share a little anecdote about how cool this guy actually is. <laughs> he's like so Canadian. Like he was, he was uh, doing a lot of crowd work, like a lot of crowd work, but mostly with these two eighteen-year-olds in the front row teasing him about school and what they were taking and then a little bit also with this doctor who he found out was a gp and then he was teasing him about not actually knowing anything (laughs) 
But then towards the end, he's like starts telling a joke and he's like, uh, uh, any kids in the audience? And you get a bunch of like, woos. And he's like, no, I mean like kids, like 11 or under. And it goes quiet and there's one deep dad voice from up in the balcony near us. And this guy's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay, how old? 11. And he's like, hmm, what's your name? Jack. <laughs> like, oh, hey, Jack, what, what was your best Christmas present? video game like cool who brought it <laughs> dad's voice santa and jerry he's just like yeah okay uh all right cool yeah and people start to chuckle and he's like yeah yeah it's uh good for jack not good for the story I was going to tell you guys and then he's told he finished with a different bit because there was someone in the audience who still believed in Santa Claus? Still on the Santa Claus train. Are you kidding me? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's classy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Just for the record, there are dickheads in this country. <laughs> not everyone is as nice as Jerry D. Yeah, not all Canadians are like that. But uh, if you're a CBC celebrity. <laughs> wow. That's what it is. It's a CBC. CBC is so squeaky clean that they uh-huh. won't even get into a controversy about ruining Santa Claus. Oh, I won't tell you all the pedophile jokes that he was talking about. We don't have time. We don't have time. But move, that was all I watched was Jerry D. He was very, very funny. Uh, and if he's in town and you like his show, you'll probably like his stand-up even more. I think he's touring all the time because he's a working comic. Yeah, well, he just this was the end of his tour. He wrapped it. I think he went uh, east to west. So mm. uh, that's it for now. Uh, so his set was really tight. He's like a college comedian, right? No, um, actually, no. It's all teachers in the crowd. He goes, Teach, he goes teacher's any teachers comic. here? And just like, deafening. Wow. <laughs> uh, okay. Huh. All right. That's hilarious. That it, he's, a te- he's a stand-up comic For aimed, teachers. aimed at... Te- he's a, it's a teacher comedy. But like he's also like your parents, you know. Teacher comedy. If, you, if, you're te- if your parents don't like blue comics, like Jerry D is absolutely... Like, they'll love him. So he's like Bill Cosby. Uh, less rapey. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. Mike. Hooray. Michael. <laughs> uh, I watched American Experience War of the Worlds what, on Netflix. What in the fuck? Yeah, please tell it's me what doc- that is. It's a documentary yeah. about uh, the original broadcast of War of the Worlds oh. huh. on and CBS. Now, I, I, th- I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I heard that the whole like panic in the streets was kind of like bunk. Is that this doesn't seem to say that it was? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's directed by Kathleen O'Connell. It basically it talks about the lead up to why everyone was so fooled by this. So it was very interesting because uh, it brings up how like radio dial tune, like dial switching or whatever was common. So you're sitting down, you know, when you flip through another channel, commercial comes on, see what else is on. People would do that with radio shows. So not everybody, almost. Almost all of the people that ended up panicking didn't start the show with them. So, it, like it, they said, this is a radio play of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. How long did that last for? How long did that disclaimer... That, that disclaimer was probably only ran once. That, okay. And so, how long did it... Like, was it four seconds long? So, so no, it, was, it, it literally started saying, this is a... a, a a radio play by you know the, no but did, did it go this is a radio play by H G Wells well no, no wasn't it, there some, I think it was, there was like bells was, or tones like every so often regular. there was like ding 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 well it was regular and then they started 
and up until the day of recording, they were rewriting this because the, the original script was basically just taken uh, from the book. So it read out very dry and Orson Welles was like, oh shit, I just listened to somebody who was, there was a radio play that had uh, announcers in it. Like they were real, they were real announcers from the radio made you think that things were really happening. I'm going to do that. So because it was 1938 and the Nazis were gaining power and the Hindenburg uh, accident just happened, people were on edge. They were expecting war to break out. Mm. So Orson Welles directed this amazing piece of art on the radio and people just started to lose their minds because they had tuned in after the opening and in the radio play they talk about martian invaders or an army from mars but people were like oh i couldn't have heard martian that doesn't make any sense german so they just changed it to german in their heads the psychology of just hearing what they expected to hear Mm. so they were panicking and they were starting to go crazy and the switchboards were off the charts, uh, like they couldn't keep up. So CBS, the, the ex- studio executives, called down to the control room and said, "You need to go to break. You need to go now and let people know that oh, this man. is for this is a, a play." Because mass hysteria <laughs> is breaking yeah. out. And Orson Welles went on for a good like ten, twelve minutes past like, when he they wanted him to do the break, <laughs> and so eventually it came out. But by the time it came out. Most of those people that were panicking had left their houses. Oh, man. So they didn't know. They're going full Independence Day. Yeah. Like, so there was definitely a panic. Nice. There was definitely a panic that happened. Um, and very quickly, it died down. Like the, There was this huge hubbub the next day. It follows Orson Welles' apology. Like it, TMZ was basically, what the fuck? It was it all was, a scam. It was amazing. So there... Like, the structure was neat. It was like, it was an hour long documentary. They had uh, actors um, doing a dramatic retelling of all these letters that had come in. So they were reading actual letters that people had written to Orson Welles. So some people absolutely loved it. They're just like that was amazing. You gave me the best, like the worst scare of my life, but I love you for it. And other people were just like, you should be ashamed. You should go to, <laughs> you should go to jail. Well, are you kidding oh, me? Man. You should, yeah. Prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, but I found the most interesting part of this whole thing um, was the description of Orson Welles' apology the next day. when he's like, He was probably such a dick. Well, everyone that was close to him said, no, no, he loved that shit. He was so happy that he caused this panic. Yeah, yeah he didn't. Course. His apology was very tongue-in-cheek. Well, yeah, they said the greatest performance of his career was the press conference the next day when he was pretending to be all upset that he caused this panic. <laughs> so <laughs> he just got wasted before. So it was really interesting because it, it did talk about uh, the climate at the time coming out of the Great Depression, all of like the buildup to World yeah, War yeah, II. Yeah. So people were ready to believe. And, I, they were, I, and they were so used to these interrupting bulletins that... It just it fit. It matched with, with how yeah. radio was. Well, so, he's yeah. Orson Welles is a fucking genius. Oh, oh but as this, we all remember him as uh, the voice of uh, whom again was it in uh, the Transformers anime? Oh, I think he might be Unicron. Unicron. Yeah, was yeah he? that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. His final film role. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So now I have an idea for some cool Tropic Thunder esque comedy set in 1938, where some dumbass tries to do a radio play of War of the Worlds, and then aliens actually attack. (laughs) 
I'm that in. Would, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I like that. What else do you have? Anything? Uh, well, I finished up season two of Master of None. Okay. Um, they tied it up in... Well, they didn't... They left it with a nice open ending. Uh, overall, I would say if you're a fan of Master of None, season two really steps it up. So if you haven't started it yet, get into it. It's it's definitely worth it. Nice. Each, each episode has its own style. Um, so... People love this so, thing. So, so binging yeah. it, it's fresh enough from episode to episode that you don't get worn out, which uh, I really appreciate. Now, as someone... Now, I didn't really love this. I watched only a couple episodes and it didn't hook me. I didn't dislike it, but it was just... I didn't have the energy to keep going. But I did ha- hear an interesting uh, idea, which would be... Like, this one allege- uh, supposedly really gives insight into uh, Aziz Ansari's, like, sort of worldview as perspective. And it would be neat if the series continued by doing that with other comedians, like spending a series Mm. depicting, you know, how uh, I don't want to see Amy Schumer, but she's really popular right (laughs) now. No, you don't. No one does. But like, uh, you know, like really new up and funny up and coming comedians or Louis CK already has his show, which is sort of the same thing. But I, I like this is a woke idea. (laughs) <laughs> stay woke stay this woke it's a, a cool idea bro Hashtag. it's interesting I, I, I live woke I, I, I appreciated the, um, I appreciate the show because it does things a lot of others don't or do rarely like part of an episode we've we're just following these random people uh, like Aziz Ansari I don't think is in the episode at all none of the main characters from the show are we're just following like a cab driver as he goes home and is living with five other dudes and like how they make money and crap like that. And then it switches at one point to like a deaf couple. So there's no sound for the entire like 15 minutes we follow them, which is really cool. Is it funny? It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds not funny. Well, there's an, or there's an, okay. So here there's an, <laughs> I'm going to ruin this episode for you. There's an argument, uh, where the woman wants, uh, her boyfriend to, or her husband, who I forget their relationship, but, she wants him to go down on her more. So they're just having this sign language argument in a store about how she wants him to go down more. Okay, that's and they, all right. And they think it's totally fine, right? Because they're signing. But then this woman comes up and signs, excuse me, could you stop talking about like your vagina? Because my kids can understand sign language. And they're just running around doing the vagina. Oh my God. <laughs> so, all right, this is good. So, like, it's, it's a pretty great okay. show. Um. <laughs> well, you've sold it now. <laughs> just yelling vagina and sign language. Just like, and that's, like and that's vagina, all I got. Vagina, but <laughs> like it's sex jokes with sign language. Well, it's such an pretty inter- good. It's such an interesting scene I because they totally think they're fine. Oh, I love it. But because who it. who understands sign language? But nope, <laughs> you're not people. okay. <laughs> um, lots of kids, especially. Yeah, Mike Green. Hi. You got something for us, right? I, I got a couple things. Okay, you watched Hell or High Water. No. Damn it. You watched Swiss Army Man. No. What are you waiting? He watched Operation <laughs> Avalanche. No. Up. God. The Tower? <laughs> Come he didn't on. do any homework. Red Turtle? Nobody? No. no. <laughs> what is it? The original All Punisher right. starring Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Time cop. No, so... Um, Joseph the- and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> okay, oh, it's played out now. Let the man speak. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we watched a, a new HBO documentary uh, called Mommy Dead and Dearest. Mommy Ooh, which? Mommy Dead and Dearest. It's really good. Um, it, it's a... Uh, 
whodunit sort of uh, show, but it has a really cool twist in it that's almost like some M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong shit. It's oh, crazy. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to give away what the twist is, but it's basically a murder investigation thing. Is there but like it's, supernatural it's, stuff going on? No, not at all. Just, just crimey. Crime. Yeah, but... Murder yeah. porn. It, yeah. Investigation <laughs> yeah, sort of. porn. Yes, exactly. It's good. Um, people who get off on investigations, like asking different people questions and leading to other people to ask more questions to. Oh, gathering evidence. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Telling people, like, you know, to go... To go do weird things, go unearth this magazine from 1963. Are we going to do a stakeout? We're going to yeah. Oh, we're going to go to the library and make sure all the lights are really like dark, so we can do research. Ooh, with a headlamp. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also watched a, a bit of a new Netflix uh, anime that has been released called uh, Blame. I saw oh. this come up. I was interested. I didn't want to talk about this because I didn't finish it. But yeah, let me know. I, I didn't actually finish it either. I'm about halfway through it. But blame with I, an I wanted, exclamation mark, right? Yeah. Yes. So, I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to make mention of it because um, the amount that I've watched so far has been intriguing. I don't fully understand what the hell's going on a little bit. Um, but the animation style is really cool. Uh, it's a mix of CG and 3D, so it looks really tight. Sometimes it looks shitty. This is yeah. not. This is not bad. Yeah, I, I, I think the so far the I think the animation what is, really, is blame? Really good. What do you do in the, blame? Tra- the trailer? Says Blom. Blom. No <laughs> so, way. Yeah. No way. Is it like a Batman uh, splash no. screen? Blame. That'd be amazing. <laughs> what is this about? It, it, hard to say. Hard, kind of hard to describe. <laughs> um, it's set in like the way way future on Earth. The way way future. Way way future. Okay. Um and. It, if I understand it right, technology has taken over and there are giant machines that are building a never-ending, expanding city. Sweet. And humans are living, like, way below the edge of the city, uh, scratching out a life kind of thing. Um, this is not what I thought blame yeah. was. They use these cool guns that shoot spears, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, like harpoon guns? Yeah. Yeah, because there's little, like robots that crawl around that try to get them oh and the people try and kill the robots yeah, yeah like yeah. horizon <clears throat> I, I, I don't know he doesn't know okay blame I, I, sounds kind of yeah, fun it's fun it's, I, so far enjoying it see what confused the shit out of me is they're referring to this one character as a human but he's very obviously a cyborg yes 100%. so and his name is is actually kind of lame what is this? Oh, Killy? Killy. Yeah, his no. name is Killy. Come on. Killy the human who yeah. just lifts up these giant slabs of concrete. Like, uh, Yeah, and you, you get like vision through his eye, like his point of view, and it's like Terminator style where there's like labels coming up beside people's faces and so, like objects in his field of vision. Is he android or cyborg? We, we have no they, idea. Well, they, so call, they call him human. Which, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Everyone keeps calling him human. I'm like, that's not human. So I'm like, there must be some weird definition. Like maybe the the people that we're following that are seem human yeah. are You know what it might be is yes. like when you, if your ghost is still in your, uh, what do you <laughs> call your it? Shell? Your shell. And you're drinking tea and it looks really nice. And yeah. Well, from what it's like I, a, it's yeah. like an anime. From what I gather, this Killy character is looking for the net terminal gene, which will allow someone to take control of the builders to stop expanding this. Oh man. Yeah, they, want to, they want to stop the city. Is it like Matrix kind of shit? I kind Maybe of, a but not, bit. not in the Matrix, but like, 
the real world in, in the machine city yeah. yeah i'm reminded a little bit of have, have any of you guys you probably have mike um frank miller's ronin haven't read it, no. no. Well, there's a thing in there about a computer that's, like, growing uh, this techno city and it's sort of threatening our hmm. our human existence. That's a cool book if uh, anybody out there is interested. Okay. It actually All made right. me want to watch Appleseed again. Dope. <laughs> Get into Appleseed, everybody. Mike, you have anything else? Uh, Quickly now. No. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> build up. The, no, the only thing I re- did was a rewatch of Thor because the new one's coming out and it was on Netflix. So the first Thor, yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig that Kenneth Branagh. I forgot that he directed it, yeah. and I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Oh, Weird, I forgot eh? to talk about Mindhorn. We can we can get to it. I mean, we've <laughs> we've already talked awesome. insane, it. right? Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, guys, I watched a shit ton of stuff. I got to run through it as quick as I can. Go for it. The first thing I watched, I shared with a couple of you guys. I don't know if you watched it. Star Trek Legacy. This is a fan. I wish I had the name of the fella who made this. Um, I'm sorry, I don't. It's a 22-minute recut of the first Star Trek movie. So Star Trek The Motion Picture, which from 1979, the most boring piece of sci-fi <laughs> cinema perhaps ever made. It is two hours and 25 minutes, and, and you can cut it down to 20 minutes safely. <laughs> and you can cut out all the dialogue safely. And this dude did that, and he put it to the Daft Punk Tron Legacy soundtrack. Oh, my God. Nice. So you basically have the first Star Trek movie, as retro as you can fucking get, recut to all the awesomeness of Daft Punk's Tron Legacy Tron soundtrack. soundtrack. Oh, my God. Um, you know, all that. Like, it's amazing. The grid. And I don't think I've even... I don't. I don't have the. I've never had the willpower to make it all the way through the original Star Trek motion picture. <laughs> it's honest to God a slog. It's it's amazing to watch how poor and they of course corrected so well for Wrath of Khan because that's just such a nice popcorn movie. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's mm. just like oh, what a great villain! Bugs and they put in the your bugs. Ears it's such a great goo. opener. Yeah, you're like this is amazing. Spock. Yeah, it's so good. The motion picture is a disaster. The only way to watch it is recut to Daft Punk. And only 20 minutes long. Yeah. So, the, so again, the good. name of this is it was just, you Star Trek Legacy. Vimeo. Star Trek Legacy. Vimeo. Look up Star Trek Legacy. Totally amazing. Legit. Sweet. I wonder, I wonder if Colin, our diehard Star he, Trek friend, would dig it. He would. It's yeah. it's awesome. But he's a purist, though, so who knows? He might be offended. I don't think <laughs> I don't think there are many people who love the original motion pick. We'll it's find out. It's so stupid. <laughs> um, so... I watched a couple of things. Wait, I watched Furious 6 again. It's the best of... It is. Yeah. It is the best car. The part where Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez crash into the medians on the bridge and fl- in midair hug and then <laughs> land on a car's windshield, that that's, epitomizes their relationship. They communicate through car. They, they're, they have sex through car. They totally... They crash together through... Yeah, their, their lives collide to, into one another. Yeah, they were brought together roughly and violently. It's and beautiful. They, they turned the embrace into one of... It's as iconic as um, Rafiki holding Simba into the sun. And also tanks. In, okay. <laughs> Furious 6. Yeah, also tanks are the best. When it bursts out of that truck, you oh, yes. are on fire. Like fist pump city. It's amazing. Um, but what I did watch was a film called T2 Train Spotting. Oh. Directed by Danny Boyle. See now right now, 
I am so curious because I want to see. I read the original book. I love the original movie. I I want to know. We don't we don't have a lot of time here. However, T two train spotting, I have to report, is absolutely terrible. No. I I I absolutely why despise this movie. Why? Um. It is awful. <laughs> it is it is awful. Is it pandering? Or I don't know. I just I have no idea why this this film got made. I don't know why Danny Boyle even bothered. Uh, it, it feels there's no payoff. It feels so unnecessary to be revisiting these characters twenty years later, right? Mm. So we're re- revisiting Mark Renton and Spud, sick boy, and sick boy, and uh, Begbie, who is a great villain, I might add. So if you if you remember where we left our our heroes in train spotting one mark renton is walking across a bridge in london with the bag of money he screwed all of his friends over left them in the hotel room while they're sleeping right he just took the money and ran uh begbie got prison time for that and now wants to murder mark renton and he's insane robert yeah, he Car- is robert carlisle is fucking crazy right he throws when he throws. Well, is you it would him be that throws the mug over the yeah over the edge. <laughs> yeah, you see a lot of. There's a lot of footage cut from the original train spotting, and they do some interesting stuff where they have actors. Um, you see the backs of their heads and stuff. You don't actually see them, but they're reenacting some, the opening mm. running scene. You know where dun, lust, dun, dun, lust dun, for dun, life dun, is playing. Dun, 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 dun. They're running down the streets wearing those shitty looking sneakers and shaved head heroin addicts bleach hair they're kind of watching themselves it's a very nostalgic movie um but like gone is the edge and the unique sort of grungy like vibe of the original like when train spotting came out you didn't have any movies like that that were about the heroin yeah everybody kind of went holy shit it romanticized it romanticized it in in some ways, which it is kind of dangerous. Like, didn't it? Didn't you want to swim in a toilet? No, but you, you kind of did. They did make it look like you're <laughs> in this beautiful pond at one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. See, you totally wanted to swim in the nastiest toilet in. Um, so basically, tw- twenty years later, Ewan McGregor's coming back to Edinburgh and revisiting all of his cronies. Who some people are just like Spud is doing the same exact thing he's always been doing. He's just still a heroin addict. Um, they just fire up the illegal antics right away. I, I can't explain to you how forgettable and unfocused and, and sad and unnecessary and nobody cares. There's yeah. no edge to this. There was no like media coverage. I mean, I would. I feel like we would have heard a lot more about this if it was any good. And yeah. I, I, I was hoping this movie would build to a great conclusion. There's no momentum. There's no... Um, it it doesn't it doesn't seem to be building anything to anything and it doesn't get to, to any sort of exciting conclusion. Oh. What a shame. Yeah. Cuz the original had such great energy. Danny Boyle was firing on all cylinders. It felt like kind fresh. of fresh. It was new, it was creative and original. And there's a lot of like four on the floor techno 90s electronic beats. Yeah, it's right up your alley. This has none of that. Uh, I, I'm really, really disappointed with mm. Teacher Train Spotting. Like one of the biggest disappointments I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, That's unfortunate. Um, 
Did you watch something to get this out of your I did. Mouth? I did. The last thing I watched was Bridge of Spies. Oh, what? Yeah. Directed by Steven Spielberg. And you're going to say that Starting... it was actually pretty decent. Have you guys seen this? No. And no, I it's won't. on my Probably two watch list. I have? Probably won't watch it. I have not seen it. Do you like it? I liked it. It's really good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like thrilling? Like actually thrilling? Yeah. Bridge of Spies, as soon as it starts, as soon as like the first 10 minutes of it, I had a grin on my face from ear to ear because Steven Spielberg was just kind of caressing my nipples. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what that means, but go on. This thing started. I I, like my nipples caressed as much as the next guy. When a Steven Spielberg movie starts up, you know, you're, you're he knows how to do it. It's just immediately I said, oh, oh, okay. This is a story. I felt like someone made me a really, really great dinner, and I wasn't expecting it to be awesome. Hmm. Um, and I hadn't eaten their cooking in a long time. It was like someone pulled the, ch- like, someone, like, oh, pulled the chair out a little bit for you before a oh, meal. He just welcomed me to the table so well, man. And as soon as this started, we're, we're, we're plunged into the 50s. This sort of spy Cold War shit is immediately kicking on all cylinders. Mark Rylance won an Oscar for this because he's fucking beast. He's in beast mode, dude. He's this awesome Russian spy who's pulling off these fucking hollow nickels with little microfiche inside it. Um, Coen Brothers did a pass on this script, and you can tell because the dialogue is is got that pepper in it. Mm. It's the fresh ground. Oh man, there's some there's some paprika and cumin in there. It's amazing, man. Uh, the movie does slow down as it gets into it. Essentially, the plot here is they catch a Russian spy. True story here. Tom Hanks plays a lawyer brought in to defend him in court, essentially just giving him his American right to have defense. Uh, they want to give him the death penalty, and Tom Hanks manages to get him off of a death sentence and like just an automatic death sentence. Yeah, you're 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 a traitor, you're a Russian spy, we're going to kill you. Tom Hanks is sort of the only person he's getting ostracized publicly for this cuz he's defending a Russian spy in court. It's a complete disaster for his family. People are fucking shooting shotguns through his window. It's crazy. Classic yeah. rocketeer situation, you know? Yeah, it's like uh that football movie with the black coach when they throw oh, a Of brick. course, yeah, Same you got to do it. Same thing. It happened all the time in the 50s. Uh, so basically, Tom Hanks has the wherewithal to say, what if one of our guys gets captured by the Russians and we need to do a prisoner swap? Duh. It'll be pretty good if we have someone alive to do a trade with, won't it? And the judge goes, e- yeah. Actually? Wait a second. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That's I had st- thought of that, <laughs> Mr. Hanks. And what do you know? The next scene is um, Gary uh, Powers. Gary Powers is a U-2 spy plane pilot. And he's just wiping the sweat off his brow. He oh. gets... He, he, this is going to be great. Let me go up in this test plane. Nothing's going to happen bad. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, they have these awesome lenses. Then the camera on the, the U-2 spy plane, the lenses are, I swear to God, like a foot across. <laughs> <laughs> they are awesome. Probably just like a couple dollars. Well, to see square inch on the ground from 70,000 feet up. Yeah. Russians still manage to shoot his ass out of the sky. Uh, and the bridge of spies in question here is Tom Hanks negotiating. He goes to Berlin to negotiate this prisoner swap. Just like he talked about before. 
that. But I mean, like he was the pro in court. You're coming to Berlin. Uh, they're also building this wall thing right now. I don't know if you know what's going on. It's crazy. Just, it just separates the, like part of like the yeah, East Berlin. Just like go over to the Berlin. East Side and just like negotiate with the communists like about this prisoner swaps. It's good, right? It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Bridge of Spies, it's a dad movie. It's a dad movie. It's an Uncle Mike movie. It's an Uncle Mike movie? It's a dad movie. Uncle Mike <laughs> likes good like, movies. This movie's really hard to market to somebody who is not into history or... Uh, Red, who's a teacher who wouldn't be interested in, you know, sort of like historical events that are might be interesting to his students. No, like I totally am. And this movie, for some reason, just does not. I thought the turn same way. On at all. It, it, it's really good because it's Tom Hanks and it's Steven Spielberg and Mark Rylance but kicks Sully. some serious smoke. I, I, I really recommend if you got the time, put on Bridge of Spies. Is It'll, it long? How long is this? It's about 2.15, 2.10. So it's not short, right. but it's it, not. It's dope, guys. It's really good. Cool. Slows down in the last 20 minutes. You got a sh- precious epilogue, just like Spielberg likes to do. Yeah. And, and Private Ryan had the same thing, right? We, by we, that point, too, we you're already so invested. Like, you're on board. You don't care. Doesn't it's matter. slow. It's okay. Um, thank, you, thank you, everybody. We need to blast off. Yes. We're going to get into our featured review. Guys, so don't, don't pack up and head to Oregon. Well, you want to make sure that your settings on your cryo tube are correct, or else you're going to burn the fuck up Listen, inside of your tube. I've got a custom one. It's like actually fixes to the floor as well as the ceiling, so there's no rattling and all that. Like, this is a poorly designed I gym. would love to play a role in a movie where I just burn. James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work and your courage. We're making history here. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. So that was a clip from Alien Covenant. The crew of a colony ship bound for a remote planet discover an uncharted paradise with a threat beyond their imagination and must attempt a harrowing escape. (laughs) Alien Covenant is directed by Ridley Scott and it stars Michael Fassbender, Catherine Waterston, Billy Crudup, Danny McBride. (laughs) What? And Michael Fassbender. Yeah, and, and Mike Fassbender. <laughs> and also, uh, I think that's it. Amy Simetz, girl from Upstream Color, is in this. 
Oh, that's where I recognize her yeah. from. Guys, this review has been eating away at my body like a neomorph inside of my chest. The review, we should have we should have had this up ages ago because we had a chance to see an early screening. They didn't want to give it to us because I guess the Vertical Viewing Podcast means nothing. We're not on to, their radar, to anyone. apparently. Whatever that means. Uh, so we're yeah. finally here. We finally landed. I want to know what's going on. Red, what are your thoughts on Alien Covenant? Okay, so I hope that I'm not the only one here that really liked this. Oh, God. I didn't love it. Like, I'm not... To, hold on. It's going lo- to get intense. It was really entertaining. It was... Parts of it reminded me of Prometheus. Parts of it didn't. Um, but it definitely wasn't alien like it didn't remind me of alien i i feel like it should just be called prometheus or or just uh maybe covenant Covenant. like i don't know why it's just because it has maybe some creatures in it that we recognize the the original title was just paradise Hmm. which would have been better i think well anyways um i have it, it raised a lot of questions but it also answered a lot of questions that i did i don't think needed answering um, so as much as it was fun and I enjoyed watching it, I think what it's doing or what it's done to the alien universe is not great. So I have mixed feelings, but you still liked it despite all yeah. this damage that it's doing. It's, yeah. It's, this it was totally wreck, fun. This wrecking ball like of a movie. I mean, Fassbender's awesome and he's in, he's in this movie twice. So <laughs> Uh, watching that was um, really entertaining, really exciting. Those characters I really, really like. Um, there's some problems near the end with predictability. I think. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all it, it was okay because I'm kind of excited to see more. I, I'm curious to know how that that I I know what you're talking about. The ending that is super predictable. I think it's supposed to be predictable maybe which is a weird why make a twist anyway like if you're making it so obvious parts of this movie work better than others and i think that you're right like there's i have some ideas on that when we get into spoilers for sure yeah um besides that looked really cool and yeah no that's (laughs) you you like the movie though i liked it he's positive on it guys michael so what is happening yeah, um, Michael Fassbender is is really good in this. The two roles that he plays are pretty great. Uh, it is a beautiful looking film. Like, there's a lot of great shots in this that I was just like, man, I love what I'm seeing on the screen. Um, this was two movies in my mind. There was the follow up to Prometheus, and there was the oh, I've got to appease the alien fans movie, and they were both fighting for dominance, and they both lost out because of that um it, as we were talking about how this was originally named paradise it seems like so act two we get into more of the prometheus follow-up uh where it carries on that storyline that's where michael fassbender part two shows up and gives us some uh some information i dug that part for the m- for the most part hmm. i said part twice there <laughs> uh 
Which means I doubt your confidence I did, in liking this part. I did not like Acts 1 or 3, however. What? I am tired. What the fuck? I am so fucking tired of stupid people making stupid decisions. Some people... People aren't... Are, are yeah, stupid. no, people are stupid. People are stupid, but people aren't this fucking stupid. All of the problems that happen in this film, for the most part, could have been avoided if they wore some sort of protective gear on an unknown, uncharted planet yeah. instead of just stepping yeah. out into this environment. Yeah. We understand today how microorganisms work and how the immune system works. Yeah. Are you telling me that like 100, 200 years in the future... No, we leave that here. When we, when we go we're interstellar, that stupid? we leave that information here. Like, and uh, we just it's breathe just, whatever we it's want. It's just such a lazy plot device. And and not only do most astronauts, they do their job of protecting themselves from a foreign place, but also the reverse, right? Astronauts are very concerned about bringing foreign diseases. Yeah. Like, the, the crew of the Covenant would be just as concerned about bringing pathogens onto this planet yeah, like you don't just pee in the forest and like have a dart, like so, like your butt. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, why the fuck are they even wearing spacesuits to go outside and fix their ship if they're not going to bother doing anything like that on the planet? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, from a scientific um, standpoint, I had a big problem with that. Like, like it, it's so dumb, and As the, char- a the characters, the characters, <laughs> again, Michael Fassbender's great, but he's the only one that really Scott seemed to give a fuck about. Because the characters are all so undercooked. Like, we have this captain who is a man of faith, but what what does that add to the story? That comes up, like, once or twice. Like, we need your faith right now. Okay. Or he's worried people don't respect him because he is a man of faith. Mm -hmm. Like, that has no bearing on this story whatsoever. Is really Scott trying to put a, like, is that his character? Is Billy Crudup playing Ridley Scott I, in this? I think a little The bit. misunderstood man of faith, because it's it's just a shitty role. There's way too many characters. Like, I think you say there they're undercooked, and, like, the original <laughs> movie is tight and lean, and, like, you get to know the characters quickly, like, 15 minutes, and you're really on board with every one of them. Well, this they, one there was, was, like... seven in the original Alien. There, seven. This one is, like, we have a whole there's shipload 14, of alien there's food. There are 14 crew. And they're all couples, and we don't even really get established uh, who is with who. Who's with who. Which yeah. is a big part. You would really need to, to, to establish tension between these characters. You need to know who the, is worried about who. Yeah, and they're supposed to be colonists. The colonist ship I mentioned before is, like, not designed for any kind of turbulence. I don't know how you launch this or anything, because it, <laughs> like, it shakes a little, and, like, 30 people die well, because their pods they, they fall off the They fell off, off the, the clothing rack. Yeah, yeah it looks like, uh, a, like a dry cleaner's in there. Uh, yeah, and, and going with the couples, they don't really tell us who's who. We don't get enough time with the characters, so when deaths inevitably happen... Alien food. You're like, so what? I'm like, so I don't give a shit about this, and then it yeah. shows their partner grieving for, what, two seconds? And then, okay, that's fine. We got a job to do, but I don't... Are you kidding me? Like, these are not humans that we're watching in this in this movie. Well, they're, they're what's her up, name? The they're main... fodder. The one, the short-haired chick. Uh, Catherine Watterson's character. Daniels. Daniels. She's pretty good. Yeah, like her reaction to... But she's the only, like... She's she's better. She's fucking terrible. She's better than the others. But what about just 
her the way she plays the reaction to her husband losing her husband. I I, I do like that that is our our introduction to the character is her completely broken and smashed and traumatized and we we start her character from there i think that is a an interesting way to to bring her in but i I, she's not a convincing heroine whatsoever oh beyond that i'm with no yeah and uh other you you touched on this as well and i'm gonna reiterate because it's probably my biggest point of contention with this film it over explains the alien mythos in a way that it ruins the alien series for me Mm. because it makes the original worse and it undoes and erases anything after the original yeah okay he's re- he's he's i see what you mean this is ridley scott saying fuck this is not how i want like james cameron did all this stuff to further the alien mythology that's not what i had in mind i'm just gonna say fuck that i'm old i want to take my property back and make it my own so yeah without getting just like yeah we won't get in without we'll, we'll go into spoilers but he i agree without getting too spoilery it is it it is seemingly like a big middle finger to every movie that Ridley Scott didn't direct. Yes, which I think you would be the fans would be fine with that unless you weren't get also giving the finger to Aliens, which is a lot of people's favorite one. Mm. Yeah, that's I don't know. Like, is there anyone here who would call Aliens the best of the series? They're very. It's hard to compare Alien and Aliens because they're very different movies. Exactly. One, one is a horror thriller. The other is like an action thriller. Sci-fi. Yeah. 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 One is the um, best horror movie. One's the best action. Yeah. Movie. Like they're both great, and they stand <laughs> on their own two, like on their own merits. Uh, but he just says fuck that, and he screws up again without getting into too many spoilers here. He screws up his own mythos with this. He like continuity is thrown out the fucking window. Mm-hmm. So well, we'll, see. we'll get into that we'll, later, and we'll also see in the next movie if it, it seems like they they make a bunch of mistakes with a movie and then answer a bunch of them in the next one, but then muddy the waters and create a bunch of new questions. So they Prometheus comes out. We're answering a few of those questions, but we also got a whole bunch of new ones to confuse you with. Yeah. yeah. So all of all of the shit talking I'm I'm doing here, I still have to admit again, Act Two where it's like Prometheus's sequel, the, the proper part, you obviously don't like Act 2 nearly as much as I did. It's, I've been thinking about that. I, don't, I have not been rerunning Act 2 or, or 1 or 3 through my mind, but 2 sticks with me. And there's some creepy stuff that happens. And it's like, okay, I, I wish they would have gone a different direction, but at least that stuck with me. Man, okay. Because I, have, I, have, I feel like so opposite of what you're interesting, feeling right Interesting, interesting. Mike. <laughs> All right. Well, um, th- this one was challenging for me as well. <laughs> um, it it it's one of those weird movies where it's not a bad movie, but it's also not very good either. It's, it's bad. It's just like it's it bad. excels at mediocrity almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it, a good way of putting it. Yeah, um, like you were saying, it it really muddies the water and made a lot of problems trying to explain away like the rest of the universe. Because when you look at the timeline, things are kind of like getting kind of close to where you're supposed to meet up with Alien at the other end, right? Where you've got a dead engineer who's basically like mummified with his chest burst. And the eggs are there. That's only 80 years away from where this ends. 
I mean, there's, they can do a lot of things, but <laughs> how how much of that did Ridley Scott? Like, it's this is the George Lucas effect, <clears throat> mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's fans now questioning how much of a story a creator really originally had in their head, and how much of it has come to them over the years. And I feel like Ridley Scott now is given into fan pressure almost with this movie i don't know if i if i see the same thing as you guys i think maybe he's asking different questions now and and the focus is less on the aliens as much as it is on well the androids and, and the, that's that's i'm okay with that yeah i have no problem that, with that that's either fucking, that's fucking blade runner so yeah he is, um, he is that's what it feels like he's trying to it, it does I don't know why he didn't just direct, but I'm, I'm glad he's not directing Blade Runner. I'm yeah. really glad. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> our, but, boy didn't, our boy didn't eat. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I feel like he's really pushing the the maker and the the subject and, and, and how much a, you know, being a god and, and what it means to create life and all that. Like it, Being able to create. and He barely cares about the alien anymore. And it Ridley, seems like an afterthought in this film. Ridley Scott is quoted as saying, I thought that the alien, the xenomorph creature was dead and its goose was cooked. He, like in his mind, in pop culture, that creature was played out and done. Mm. And his attempt making Prometheus was his attempt to like move away from the xenomorph that everyone remembers and everyone hated it. And so this is him essentially apologizing and saying, all right, you, you find you want a xenomorph. How about have a xenomorph in the daytime? See, I like still, on I the still, outside of a ship, looking see, small. I wish he didn't. <laughs> I still dug Prometheus. It just had some flaws. It, it he. Let's have it in the again, daylight. Like, again, open, your every, cut is better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the other what thing, else you got, Mike? Yeah. So <laughs> I can't help but wonder if it could be another one of those situations where, like with Prometheus, it's not until you get the Blu-ray and the deleted scenes you can and, smell and, a director's cut already. It, it, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you there's a ton of shit for this movie that really would have been nice to have in this movie, in the theatrical cut. Well, there's a sequence of all the couples having a drink. Uh, there's there's that mini film, that, that they viral put up. thing they put up. Yeah. yeah, that's that's you get to know all the couples. They cut it out of the movie. Or I think it wasn't even directed by Ridley Scott. I, I don't know. But the, he almost filmed stuff for the viral campaigns at this point. It seems like they they, they almost shoot is, stuff knowing that this is not going to be in it. This is going to be part of a YouTube ad. Is that fair? Like, is there a responsibility of the film viewer to have seen like no. online viral campaigns? No, no there's you should not. be able to walk into it without yeah, having seen so, anything. So, yeah. fuck that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you watch when that comes out, you're going to be able to go and put it back together again. I can't wait to do it with this. Th- this is actually a m- much better film. Why did you take this out? But it's four and a half hours long. Yeah, I can't wait. exactly. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure uh, this film will get much better in the director's cut. Uh, one thing I, I will say that I really dug about it: the title sequence. You like the opening I, titles? I, I did. Wait, that, that you was, mean did you love Jerry Goldsmith's music? No, I like the whole thing. So you're talking about the opening scene, that ham-fisted scene? Not with, the scene. With, like the, with the, Peter Wayland and David the, when, in when, Iceland in their cool <laughs> Apple uh, genius bar? No, like the, <laughs> the literal title sequence where like that was pretty sweet. Dude, coming up. Wait, you don't like that scene, but yet you like Blade Runner? Because that scene is like a Voight-Kampf test. We, we open on a, se- on a shot of an eye, right? The, the opening shot of this movie is an eyeball. Like This is legitimately this is Blade Runner. Ridley Scott being sad that he's not directing Blade Runner when he's producing it and could have directed it, but off offhanded it to 
Denny Villeneuve. Thank goodness. But yeah, it, it, there's so much Blade Runner happening in this. There's so much, including a scene where an android kisses someone and then attempts to kill them, just like Roy Batty does. Like, there's so... It, it, it's out of control, man. Um, I didn't like this movie. Oh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> this is a bad movie. Why is it bad? I, I what parts in particular did you find made it bad? Okay, so t- when, when talking about the, the three acts, Mike, you really love act two. Okay, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking I, about? I, like, I liked the ideas present in act two, but act, act two, like, where are you guys? The movie itself is not great. And just all the stuff on the act two is, on planet. Is David. Act one ends. Okay, when I was watching this movie, the first thirty to forty minutes. I my my palms were complete disasters of sweat. I was shaking in my seat. I could feel the blood pumping through my temples. Um up in like that first initial attack sequence is maybe the most thrilling single set piece in any alien movie, I think. Like in terms of like a single action scene. The ka-dunk, ka-dunk, ka-dunk. We're both... It's like some Lost World stuff in the, the tall wheat. You're in the dark. But just the, the simultaneous of two people getting infected at the same time, and neither team knows what's going on. The team doesn't know what they're heading back to, and this guy is locked in the room with these two late. Like All of that is handled so well and is so terrifying. And as soon as somebody... Shows up and fires a flare into the air. The movie went... (laughs) (laughs) And then we got into the mythology of another movie. One that I still liked and I want to see, but I need to watch it on a different day when I'm in a different mood. And I'm not watching a horror movie. So there, there are two movies happening here. Yeah. And unfortunately, this isn't a good Prometheus sequel nor is it a good alien prequel that's that's fair Mm -hmm. it doesn't serve either of its purposes well because it tries to tries to do both yes i see and it doesn't do a good job of either as you're saying ridley scott does not seem interested in in setting you up in a claustrophobic space with with a monster that you can't get away from right crawling around on the outside of your ship well, that's like Alien was a haunted house in space. The the idea, the reason why Alien is so good is because you're on a goddamn spaceship. You can't go anywhere. And now there's a giant beast on board this super confined space, right? <clears throat> that's the point of Alien. That's not what's happening here at all. We don't even spend like the last 20 minutes of this movie are, are an Alien movie. There's one perhaps. part. I, I, like, a, a, a beast on a confined yeah. area like that is only maybe an eighth of the whole movie and the rest is this bizarre star trek horror movie do you know what i'm saying like it yeah. does not feel it it, it, it definitely no, felt the star, star trek yeah <laughs> i even have that in my notes about <laughs> the away team. why does the captain go on the away team yeah <laughs> um so yeah, do you guys think that this this prologue with Peter Wayland is is this thematically necessary? I, I think it is. It, it's it's very poorly handled, and it's kind of clunky. But I don't I don't well. I, I mean, it it sets the scene for it's necessary for David for David mm. yeah for David's character as like an abused 
uh, imperfect being. Well, not Im- not I. I wouldn't say imperfect. Just as an abused creation, like he, you would. He's he, realizing his he's, superiority he's to his creator. Like, he's turned on. He is switched on, and he's and he demonstrates that he is better than perfect. I think that's exactly what he says. You're better than perfect. He sits down and plays a piece that he's never practiced before, and he plays it perfectly, right? And he's better than... But then immediately he's made to, like... Make tea. Heal. Servant, yeah. You know? It's yeah. like he literally tells him to heal. Well, he made, he tells him to make tea <clears throat> that is right sitting probably 13 inches away from his hand. Yeah, he could turn and, and make it himself. And, and, and that's the Come point. Come and pour it for me. Well, that, that's the... That, that's the point of the scene, I think, so is, is, is epitomized in, in make me tea, you dumb robot. Well, and, I don't know if David it's dumb. Would, I don't know if it's you dumb robot. I think it's Waylon you saying, are a slave. like, I made you, so... Yeah, you not are. you dumb robot. Yeah. You are a slave, and that's all you are. And David realizing his superiority to his own, like, to his creator, mm. yeah, he, he has a line later that's really, I think, gives a deep, deep insight into the, into I, the I character. I wish the dialogue maybe was better written in this opening scene, but I do I do appreciate what it's doing because it kind of explains David's actions in both Prometheus and in Alien Covenant. It, you, you, how dangerous is it to have an android with a god complex and like free will, right? Which plays a big part in, unfortunately, the entire mythology... Of, of this alien. universe. <laughs> yeah. But I do have an interesting point on all that. Um, yeah, the opening title sequence, we get those fucking cool appearing slowly. The blocks fading. The in. blocks thing. Yeah. Uh, what Walter's accent. Yeah, we, that was so, not so good. So we open on the, the Covenant ship, which I hate the design of, I will, I will say. The Prometheus looks so much more badass with those four engines yeah. that tilt into giant legs that le- like it lands on. Yeah. It's like this giant oil rig, kind of. The Covenant is just this stupid-looking, long, fucking... Like it's assembled in space. It's coat hanger, kind of- piece of mechano. Yeah, it seems more like a... Connects well, like a, yeah, it yeah. seems more like a real spaceship that we would build today. As it's opposed so boring, to, it's so boring. As opposed to the Prometheus, which yeah, was like this you, cool. Drop you would ship. make it in Kerbal Space Program because, like, it would it would minimize costs and maximize I, I feel like thrust. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. You kind of you, you kind of want to add some character to the ships in each of these movies, and th- and this one didn't even wasn't even interested in even showing you really any detail about it. It was just just a dumb looking. Stupid fucking thing. It kind of uh, looked, it looked has like a dick. solar sails. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the solar sails look terrible. Some of the visual effects in this movie really bad. I don't know if you guys. I thought so too. I mean, it's not in 3D, which I kind of appreciated. Um, there were a few uh, neomorph scenes that I was like, "What?" Yeah, like the biting. Yeah. yeah, terrible. But in this case, I know the film has a different structure. The I always like the slow awakening scenes in all of these movies where you kind of, you just have the camera floating through the ship, setting the stage, and that's, I Lights guess... coming on. Right, where everything's kind of sparking to life and little computer screens are flashing on and we get to see their, their lockers with, you know, stuff hanging in it and what does this ship look like? Nothing's happening. Then we get to the stasis cryosleep room and everyone sort of groggily, slowly wakes up. We don't get any of that because there's a neutrino storm. Like a pulse. And before we can even get to know our crew, people have already... James Franco's already burned alive in his goddamn cryotube. 
So he's not even in this movie. He doesn't even get a single line of dialogue. Yeah, he does. Well, in his stupid 127 hours recap <laughs> <the> video pod. <laughs> um, but there's no sort of ambience, sort of cool setup to the, like, in this case, we're snapped right into it with no chance to get to know anybody. Um, yeah, cause there's, and then there's too many people for us if we wanted to. Yeah. Also, can you explain to me how uh, uh, Danny McBride's helmet picked up a signal where their ship couldn't? I don't understand uh, that. You didn't hear when he said that he was out so far. He was past the ship's uh, communication buffers. Yep. Because he that makes sense. Because he jumped from you just the said one a bunch of words from the arm of the ship. Yeah, you don't don't uh, don't worry. It it's makes, fucking John Denver, man. Makes sense. It's fucking John Denver. Or was it Shaw? Is there a more homesick song in the world than Country Road? Like it's almost a cliche, right? Like that is the song you would sing. I'll be honest. That song reminds me more of Oktoberfest than it does of <laughs> home. So not really. Um. But yeah, Billy Crudup, really kind of dumb and clunky as this religious captain taking over from James Franco. Uh, he's a great actor. He's not given anything here. But there's, yeah, his character is silly. I feel like this is a case where his scenes feel cut down. I'm sure there's a big, huge subplot with yeah. Billy Crudup. Um, but his he is probably the dumbest character in the movie. And all of his decisions are f- so frustratingly... Poorly, poorly handled by him. Um, I, I, this is where the people, I feel like audiences kind of turn on the movie when decisions like this are made by characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no space helmets again, guys. Don't step on the spores because we don't have space helmets. Don't worry. This place is exactly like Earth, we assume, without Every, checking. Everyone will get fucked up because like, the spores are everywhere. Does this planet naturally have these things? No, 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 they grew because... Because we infected... Okay, yeah, I guess. Um, so these things, when, when you step on a spore, the, the, the little spores have, like, like sentience? They, they're like heat sensors. No, but they can kind of form... They're not little, really spores. They're like nanomachines. Uh, so they're, they're nanomorphs. Yeah. yeah. That's the nanomorph. That's yeah. the nanomorph. They turn into, like, a goddamn... It spells out Alien Covenant, and then, then it yeah. spills into his ear. <laughs> Um, I, I, that was kind of ridiculous. It reminded me of in the beginning of Prometheus when they drop the canister into the water. That's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, I do like that. It's like this shit is how you populate. You're seeing the infection. We're getting super biological with it. Um, but yeah, this, this whole initial infection sequence to me was spectacular. Like everything is slowly building. Both people are getting more and more sick. Um, and they start puking blood on each other. Got to get him to his. Got to get this guy back to the fucking like little see it, drop pod that I guess has a med bay in it yeah. already, which is probably smart. I'd already checked out at this point because really they're so fucking stupid that I didn't care about <laughs> what the hell was happening. Again, the no helmets, like they just yeah. walk onto this planet. Yeah, and I agree, the tension would be there if I cared. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, I was just horrified. Like, I mean, yeah. like these people, they make bad decisions. Get over it and maybe just watch these dumbasses get killed, I guess, is what you're supposed to do. I don't know. That was one of my problems with the movie is that it felt like that scene in the the med bay was the last 
of the tension in the movie. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah, like I'd everything agree. after that was just like things happening and whereas that scene you were like oh shit what's gonna happen well yeah the, the, that's where the backburster happens which is yeah. horrifying in my opinion like I was I was I thought the white uh, knuckle during that whole scene I thought the face burst was a little a little ridiculous terrifying okay actually. yeah so the other dude he unfortunately his whole face explodes <laughs> uh, and then and then we have these weird neomorph things chasing them through the grass Everyone's goose. Velociraptors. They're little like cat-sized. To me, that that the the tension ended right when the flare got shot off, uh, and then we literally switched to a different movie. It's true. I don't understand. Okay, wait. The gestation period for these creatures woefully inconsistent. Yeah. Right. It's whatever serves the plot best is how fast these creatures will grow. Sure. Like, there's no consistency to that. Right. In the first Alien, it took, like, a day or two. Like, the, the next, like, it took, like, 12 hours or something, and Ash was back at breakfast, and he felt great. It wasn't like this, oh, man, we have 20 minutes until this little, tiny little chest burster bursts from you, and then inflates in the in a span of 45 seconds, literally, to a fully grown, yeah. like, 125-pound neomorph thing oh i thought those were different ones i don't fucking know yeah, well I don't yeah know. i don't understand biologically how these things are supposed to grow so quickly yeah that really bothered me too when it was like it came out and then two seconds later the fucking things are running around chopping people's heads off. yeah and it's the size of like a dog almost yeah um then david with his jesus hair takes him to the uh engineer city it's bad it's bad it was like Old Scott Wilson hair. Yeah, you like that. <laughs> but he has a weird shitty dye job halfway down. Yeah, because you used to love... Uh, yeah, you used to love Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, how come they didn't see this gigantic engineer city, and why didn't they land there? <laughs> because of the storm. Did... The hurricane oh. was interfering with their uh, their equipment. But wait a minute. They Fine. Didn't, they didn't... <laughs> but then, how come... No, because weather became a problem later, right? So obviously... That, that's so... You have to do that. That's when, just a trope of horror, right? Like, it was so dumb at one point when they're like, you know, how long does the storm last? And he's like, oh, weeks. Months. months. And they're like, oh, we had no idea. Excuse me. It's like, oh, good thing you're not scientists. <laughs> <laughs> good thing you didn't, like, <laughs> chill out in the atmosphere and just watch from 20 miles out. Um, is this interstellar? Guys, I think we got to get into spoilies, right? Yeah, we yeah. Because it's in, now is when... David comes in and it's info dump exposition time, <laughs> right? I'm da- David is just going to info dump everything to you, which is what we're going to do now. All the momentum that we ended Prometheus with, Elizabeth Shaw and David are going to paradise. We're going to go find out where the engineers came from right i don't want to go back to where i came from i want to find out where they came from who are the engineers who created them why did they create us and change their minds and want to wipe us out what did we do alien covenant these questions are on your shoulders we expect you to answer them no 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 david is just going to (laughs) dump all of the black goo onto the waiting masses who look like they're coming in celebration of this 
this spaceship return ship. So the ship is returning from what? Uh, okay, so I guess so, coming back from being on one of these research planets, right? It came from LV two two three from Prometheus, the planet where all the shit went down. These research facilities, right? Mm-hmm. We're coming back, guys. We we went to the weapons research facility and we're Yay, returning. Hey, they're back. Yay, Yay, welcome. Oh wait, what are it, you dumping out? Oh, of, that's not. What, what did you, did you? What what did you make? Like, uh, ow! What? Ow! You, <laughs> what did you guys make? Oh, I'm dying. It hurts. So these guys don't even look like engineers. Are they engineers? You okay, so I, I watched. Have yelled that so loudly <laughs> in the building. <laughs> um, I I watched a, a a clip. I don't even know what it was from, but. Basically, someone was commenting on the fact that uh, the theory, or a theory rather, is that this is just like a settlement. Like, if you look An at outpost, it's outpost, perhaps. Yeah, because uh-huh. I mean, the, the engineers, the idea is they've been colonizing the stars for hundreds of thousands of years. This can't be their home world. No. Yeah, exactly. This so you get there, and it's like one little place, and what it actually looks like, and based on the. Um, architecture and what the people are wearing is that it's like an outpost or like a religious ceremony type of place because they all look like kind of peasanty. Yeah, and and merchants. when they come back and they all like look up to it, like oh, it's returned. It's like oh, uh, you know, like one of the ships are coming in yeah. to like drop off supplies. Or, yeah, yeah. So they so they wipe out all the engineers and all of the answers that we came here to get. Are, are all gone off with table. It. See ya. Okay. So this was thank you between I Prometheus guess. and and Covenant is ten years. I fail to believe that no engineers would have shown up. Yeah, if, I guess planet. no. But so the idea here being that if anyone does show up on this planet, you the, you immediately get wiped out by by the, it, it, it's almost like there's an anti biological life sort of there's like a warning system or not even that like no life can survive on this planet so anyone who shows up just dies well you just get eaten by you, aliens you just what happens to everyone from covenant that's just what happens to anyone who comes here yeah but it wouldn't have happened to them if they didn't step on the specific spores right so this biological weapon seems to be in a dormant state just waiting to be disturbed okay. so i agree the engineers could have showed up and had that happen to them but i feel they, they would be have been a little that? more careful Anyway, uh, and what's with, I'm sure it'll be answered in the director's cut, but why is their ship crashed if they docked in yeah. the middle of town? Yeah, what? So I'm, I'm, um, I'm guessing what happened in that sequence is Elizabeth Shaw saw what David was doing. But she was in suspended animation, I believe. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, but she, when is she sending out that signal? When, like, she's, in my view, she's probably singing that song, sending out that signal, She's piloting the ship at that point, right? She's singing John Denver, Take Me Home, Country Road. I'm guessing she's doing like a suicide mission where she's basically piloting the ship into the side of a mountain and she's sort of singing her last words. No? I don't know. I'm guessing that's... She woke up, saw what David's doing, tried to wrestle control away from him. I don't know. Yeah. No? We may never get those answers. Um, that's. I want to see the ship... Bet- like I want to see the ride. I hope that's what awakening is. I hope well, it's it, it, all these questions we don't get answers to, right? Like all the fucking engineers are dead. What about the answers to life's greatest mysteries? Fuck it, xenomorphs. <laughs> Who cares? That's why I hate Act Two. 
is because like I, Pro- I found Act Two more horrific. <laughs> okay, but Prometheus Two got like torn out of Alien Covenant, right? Like yeah. all the events of the original Prometheus are now like on- inconsequential almost. Like it doesn't matter what Elizabeth Shaw, poor Elizabeth Shaw, all she wanted to do was find out who who, who the creators were. And David killed them. And David just, I'm going to kill them all so that I can create my own, my own fucked up Jurassic Park, basically. Everything on this planet gets fucked up because it's biological, except for me. I'm the only being that can exist on this planet because I'm not alive. He's a synthetic. Yes. And that's where I kind of wanted this movie to maybe get into some cool shit where maybe there's a virus infecting David, right? Because the whole theme of this movie is the creators creating something and then that thing they create coming back to destroy them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what is what if your creation becomes a god abo- you know, that's capable of destroying you? All this shit. Imagine if David is sort of like a virus or he actually can infect maybe Walter is infected by David well actually on, on that note speaking of Walter I'm just going to jump in while this thought comes to me because I wanted to bring it up earlier uh, the twist at the end where David disguises himself as Walter yeah and then after everything know that's coming right after, after everything's that's the done predictability that I was that's the predictability about. here yeah it would have been, and this just—that's why I said "fuck old man Ridley." Because what is he doing? Has he forgotten how to make movies? If we, if we as the audience knew straight up that that was David, there would be a lot more tension involved because we know, like it's textbook, we know he's David. The characters don't, mm-hmm. so his actions yeah, yeah. now have a, a different sense of urgency. Yeah, there's a scene cut out for sure. Um, uh, so that would have been way more interesting than that. Oh, is it David? Maybe it's not. Just the way he's reacting. Oh, it is. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're, we're jumping ahead there. But um, so David becomes the the reveal of this. The hor- the horrifying reveal is that David is essentially used Elizabeth Shaw's body to create the xenomorphs that we that we know. So is is that where the mythology has been taken now? So. Yeah, yeah. The, the the xenomorph isn't some cold dead being that evolved in the darkness of space. It is a biological weapon created cr- by David, created by a psychotic alien or android rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, th- that's the alien is a crazy androids like completely insane experiment. Yep, is, on is, that, is that he that like with some ingredients that he found from the engineers. So, so what? So what the it, fuck are you it, talking about? And here's some of my issues with continuity. Like in Alien, they say the ship must have been here for thousands of years. Yes, and obviously a, that's not true. There's if, a there's a mural on the wall in Prometheus yeah. with a xenomorph on it. Yeah, and a exa- face hugger on it. Yeah, all of these things have already existed, but somehow David just like maybe there's time travel. Is in he this reverse movie. engineering? I mean, perhaps that's it. He's he he knows the xenomorph is something that is possible. He just has to sort of. Get, figure out get, how to get there he has to craft it you know yeah i don't think so so i did write in my notes here this is where i might come around on this idea if if ridley scott is genuinely trying to do this then i dig it so daniel starts looking through these weird scrolls and these drawings 
right, of all these experiments that David's doing to create the xenomorph, all these fucked up looking drawings that look like H.R. Geiger drawings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is David H.R. Geiger? Like the idea that you're sort of wrapping the I the H.R. Geiger being the creator of the alien and creating this weird imagery and this weird creature and this weird life cycle, you've now sort of personified H.R. Geiger as this horrific real person or this real per- being who's doing fucked up experiments in reality. Like imagine if how how much more horrifying it would be if somebody just rather than drawing all these things was genuinely making them in a f- fucked up lab. Well, Geiger made a lot of sculpture and like, I don't know. He, but if you look up his art, he's a lot more his, sexual. And, imagine yeah. Geiger's basement was full of you know, like prostitutes strung up on hooks and people's <laughs> fucking dudes' I, bodies all cut up and like we're making crazy creatures in my basement. I'm H.R. Geiger. Like that 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 kind of maybe if that's what really Scott was going for, then that's kind of cool. I don't think he was going for that. But I, it's not a coincidence that all the drawings look like Geiger drawings. Well, that's just because the, the original alien was designed it, it, by HR. They're, they're going to look right? that way. Well, and Shaw's body is set up to look like one of Geiger's drawings just as well. Imagine if H.R. Geiger had been a psychotic robot with a god complex. H.R. Geiger. I don't want to think that that's what the Alien series is. <laughs> what are Neomorphs? <laughs> What are neomorphs? They're the in-between phase that pop out of you, and they're albino. So they're like larvae. They're kind of like these weird precursors to xenomorphs. Yeah, I think you need... You, uh, you need a neomorph you, you to make a, it... You need a human DNA. Yeah, you okay. need to mix in some human DNA well, to get the face hugger, and then the... Which yeah. is why Billy Crudup gets invited down to the egg room. So you need humans twice? Perfectly harmless, I assure you. Well, uh, yeah, what he says it's... Something to see or something, something to something be Something to see? witness. <laughs> so, <sighs> what happens? Why would... Why is his character so goddamn stupid? Says an interesting line here, I've seen the devil already. I guess you can imply that, you know, he's implying that he's been molested as a, as a religious person from a young age, I think. That's a pretty big jump, but... Ridley uh, Scott said that in an interview. Ridley Scott literally said that that character... His, oh, really? His, yes. Yeah, oh, okay. He literally said that. So, in the movie, that's a pretty big jump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because there's no groundwork laid at all for that. Not at all. Well, no. it is... It, we've established that he's the, Deleted quote, scenes. man of faith. So, he, he gets uh, impregnated by a face hugger, and uh, we get a cute face hug. Cute, a cute, a cute little a, a xenomorph. Cute chestburster. Cute little chestburster with skinny little arms, and David says, hey, little... And they little do, dude. like... They do like some yoga together. They 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 uh, they have a little moment together. David which, raises his arms. The xenomorph raises its tiny little toothpick arms. What the shit is laughable? Is going on? Like we have turned. There was laughing for sure in my theater. Oh, there how was the mine. mighty yeah. guys! How the mighty have fallen. The, the, one of the greatest sequences in horror history is uh, John Hurt having his chest explode on the dinner table. In the first Alien movie. And then this ridiculous creature turned, skitters across the table. We've turned it into space balls, man. Yeah. We've turned it into space balls. Like, hello, my honey. Hello, my honey. Hello, my honey. That's exactly what he did. Well, Holy which, shit. the original Alien, it was like a dick running across the room, right? Like, <laughs> our guy, when, I, when, you guys, when you talk about Geiger, like, he literally, everything was just... 
like vaginas well, and, and phalluses. The, the, the and, shock value of that alone. No, none of the actors knew that John Hurt had been rigged up with yeah, that. They, they, they didn't, didn't see they Tanner didn't, Zipchin before the show. They, no, but they didn't know what was going to happen in that scene. Ridley Scott didn't tell the rest of the the actors that his chest was going to explode with um, real meat coming out. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> But how convoluted can we get with this goddamn organism now, guys? We have muddied the shit out of these waters. So we have neomorphs. We have pollen eggs. We have black goo. They grow to full size in five minutes now. What's, yeah, where did the face So how did this, how, how did all this, so they do explain that this black goo is sort of versatile, right? David says that it's a, it's a miracle, it's a miraculous substance. Don't do it, Red. Uh, this this black goo can do anything. We can essentially program it to do whatever we want, which I think is a nice way to explain how inconsistent the black goo always was. You can well, when he dumps it over do, the crowd, like at at, at home home base. There, it's when weaponized. He, that just dissolves everyone into weird ashy husks. But like it does that really cool like synchronized drop out of the thing, and then it all goes to a certain altitude before it explodes. So, so it kills them. It doesn't turn them into weird chestbursters, though. No, it just makes them into like okay when a when a bomb goes off. So does it, was, it interact with weird spores that are already on the planet? No, like I think the idea in my head here is that because the engineers designed it, they never meant for it to like at least transform them into anything. Wait, think back to the beginning of Prometheus. Remember he when the engineer it. drinks it and then he like dissolves yeah. and disintegrates? He, he seeds that planet with life. You can, this black goo can be programmed to do, it, it's like nuclear, nuclear energy. It can be harnessed for good or it can be harnessed for evil. Hmm. What? I mean, is that it? I no, guess. That's no, that's probably not. Not at all. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good attempt, though. No, but that black goo is—it it seems to do it's different it's, things. It's it, just it, like Deus Ex Machina. It's whatever. It's Ridley whatever the screenwriters need it to do. Okay, okay. And the, and the so when they dropped all that goo and killed all the engineers, some of that airborne goo got into the spores and made the pollen eggs or something. And I think that yes. he no, I think that it's the result of uh, David's experiments. He just like released them out and fuck this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who cares? So now we have uh, David and Walter playing the flute. I'll do the fingering. Flirting. You, you blow on this. Like, totally. I'll do the fingering. I thought he was going to jam the flute through his brain. We don't have that. Instead, we have a kung fu fight between Walter and David that awesome. is... Awesome. Awesome? Yeah, I, I was it. going to say laughable and I embarrassing. It. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, too, actually. You guys like the... The I fight did. was actually I didn't like good. the end. There's no... Like like I said, there's definitely a scene that's been cut out. Yeah. Well, like they cut it for a reason so that they leave that ambiguous but on it's a, it. But it's a poor oh. cut. It's like, I think there's actually a scene missing because of how... You, because then you, you ask yourself, how did that scene resolve itself? Like, I, I didn't even remember how we left it. I, I thought I maybe nodded off for a second. Like, it ended with David reaching for a knife, and that was it. Yeah. So, the other scene that I love in this movie, there's only two things I love about this movie is the, the lead up to the first infection scene, and then the other most intense, badass, actually well done scene in the movie is this flying platform comes down. And they are, it's almost like a weird, like a fairy or something, like a boat yeah, fairy that I you can't take. Remember it's, what like it's, a mobile, it's like a it's mobile for crane. mining, isn't it? I think it's a mobile crane. But it, it's almost like what you would, if you, if you had some dump trucks that you'd need to land on a planet, it's just like this big flat square that you just sort of. It, 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 it looks it, like a flying barge. It's like a weird tractor yeah. barge thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And 
they built this thing for real and you can tell it's on this gimbal and they're sliding around that whole sequence i thought was absolutely spectacular um not didn't feel like an alien movie like it felt like some action fast and furious 29 i don't know what it felt like uh but then we actually finish this movie with the finally we get to this claustrophobic setup where there's an alien on a confined space Took us two hours to get here. We have two people left. We're so fucking lazy. We don't even care. Let's just like drive a dump truck into it and get it out of here. No, but there, there's one problem that I hear that I actually think is worth mentioning, and it's how easily they're able to shepherd the alien around the ship. They're like, just open the door and close the door behind it. Open the door and cl-, and they just like move it around as they please. And we know there's a double encore, right? Like when we get back on the ship, Zeno always does double encores, right? Mm-hmm. Like we 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 kind of chill out just by nature of these movies, by the structure of these movies. We know that that like motherfuckers coming back for another scare. And I guess did David stick the embryo in the guy's cheek on no the way up? The, the face hugger was on him for a split second. Yeah, but when they when they got it off, it showed it retracting the out of his mouth. Yeah. So the the thing had already laid the egg in his mouth. Yeah. Okay. Again woefully inconsistent i feel like these things would stay on your face for hours laying eggs remember the, the thing stayed on ash yeah, yeah. for a long for long like time. all night yeah. you know what i mean um we're done guys this movie muddied the shit out of the waters and alien can't come back from this because it basically if david made the eggs at some point if he's gonna stick with james cameron's uh edition David's gonna have to make a queen, but that's where we're having. Yeah, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Like that does not seem to be the end goal here for Michael Fassbender. I don't think. Yeah, we we have less of a handle on the organism on how it works than we did before. I I do love the addition. David is an amazing character. I I love. So this is why I think the awakening. He's second to Ripley as the most interesting part of the entire alien universe. So the next movie, The Awakening, is going to take place between Prometheus and Covenant. So no, it's not. What? Yeah, it's I, a prequel to Covenant. It's a prequel, prequel. Yeah. So oh no. no, it's not. <laughs> I, this is an older article that was no. talking about this, but Ridley Scott was saying that, and then there's supposed to be more movies that come afterwards. Oh, but God. I look forward to that because I think it would give us a chance to see into david's creation of these creatures and give oh, us the no. answers about the engineers because i don't buy that they just arrived there and killed all Fuck those guys you, i bet Ridley they got there Scott. and checked out the planet and then decided to, he decided that they weren't worth keeping around so it's it's like david's island of dr moreau yeah heart yeah yeah i i, I like i like the idea of a robot with a god complex going insane but it it does ruin the mythology i'd rather he reverse engineered something that was already there rather than is the creator of it all but if he is then that's a cool idea we created the alien ourselves kind of care we of helped. david oh man this thing is so fucking see i'm okay with that idea if it fit within the already established lore it's so muddy right i just it's such a huge yeah, you retcon. You have to ignore a bunch of movies like, that a lot of people like. It, it, the, the water is so yeah. murky. I can't see anything. <laughs> um, it also shrinks the universe in a way I don't like. Yeah. Well, that's always what 
prequels and sequels will do, right? It's like, we were the architects of our own demise sort of thing. Yeah, there's which, nothing else. So who the fuck cares about the engineers then? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Only Elizabeth Shaw, and she's she's, mu- out. she's mutilated yeah. and dead. I have a final question before we, I ask your scores. Is this movie better or worse than Life, starring Ryan Reynolds oh, it's and way worse. Jake Gyllenhaal? So Life is a better movie than Alien Covenant. I thought so. I I think you're right. It had far more tension. <laughs> it did, and it was a much more lean and concise, and the horror elements were way better. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's not what Alien Covenant's trying to do. It's trying to do two things at once. It's trying to it's trying to whack off two guys at the same time. It's like cross country <laughs> skiing. Yeah, yeah. It's a middle out uh, compression. Guys, I give this movie a 6 out of 10. Uh, up until that flare gets fired off, I was on the edge of my seat for the first half an hour, and then we completely plummeted. This is way worse than Prometheus. Oh, yeah. You guys probably for, agree for with sure. me there. Because I still dug Prometheus. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm See, not... I don't think this is different then. Like, I, I think it has its flaws, but I, I still dig this. Like, I think this is a... It does try and do two things, and because it aims in two directions it doesn't land as strongly in either one category but i still think it is a good movie and i want to give it a seven and a half wow that's fair i'll stick with that man interesting stamp it what do you got uh, uh, so the alien series and i go way back it <laughs> gave me some of my first nightmares and it took me forever to get over them and then it became one of my favorite things ever um, this shits all over all of that. Yeah, it does, uh, man. And as a movie, like as I said, the characters there's maybe there are two that are okay. David's great. Walter's okay. So I'm gonna say three because Daniels is is okay as well. But everyone else is stupid cannon fodder. Uh, Walter's doing his Lance Henriksen impression. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, actually, Danny McBride. He's is, the, is he is good. amazing, man. He is amazing. Uh. But it's just so poorly put together and rushed. The way it just shits all over everything, I can't forgive it for that. So it's a five and a half. Wow. Now. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I, I, I think I'm being generous given this a six. I really am. I, I don't think it deserves that. But I love Alien so much, I can't resist. You're being kind. I am, Mike. Um, yeah. I mean, Alien or Aliens, rather, has been probably one of my favorite films since I was a kid. Like, I've watched that movie to death. So, to see the series head in this direction, um, disappointing. It makes it only sting harder. Yeah, and it's not even just that they've gone off and, like, explored new ideas. That's totally fine. I'm down with that. It's that they didn't handle it well. And didn't we didn't get the payoff that we should have got? So all in all, I gave this one a six and a half. Damn, yeah. this is just too much like Blade Runner. Like he, he wants to be making more Blade Runner style stories. I'm glad he's not allowed. Or I guess he is. If this is the kind of movie he makes now. Then I guess, but I I don't dislike this. Movie. I I like that you are on its side. See, really, Scott. I think you guys good. are going to come around. I hope. I really hope so. Over time, the director's cut that I edit myself. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's how I have to. I have to enjoy the new Ridley Scott movies. I have to edit my own versions. Yeah. I'm not going to come around on this. It's <laughs> there are far too many 
like uh, terrible things in it. Again, when was the last? I don't remember the last time I saw a movie where so many people were idiotic. Prometheus. Well, yeah, but not this many. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's our review of Alien Covenant, everybody. If you agree or disagree with our takes, please email verticalviewing at gmail.com. Please. I want to know what the what the viewers think of this one. I, I want to know who's a fan. I want to know who's not. I, I think there's the Prometheus was mixed reaction, and this is exactly the same thing again, which is interesting. Um, thank you, guys. Next week, it is War Machine. Yeah, which is getting mixed reviews. Yeah. Soon. We're not doing pirates. We're not. The trailer looks we so good might. for War Machine. We're not doing pirates, guys. We, Fuck it. In might. fact, pi- hackers have stolen the movie and are ho- like holding a ransom for it. Oh, uh, want to cry? Yeah. So get they're it? pirates. You get it? Yeah. Also, uh, also wanna. irony. Uh, um. Yes. Where can we find you on the internet, Red? You could find me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Jared underscore Sergeant for reals. I'm at Michael R. Linden on Twitter. I might actually talk about the ignoble end of Elizabeth Shaw some more and how oh. they fucking just... Let's write an article Pulled the that. rug from under that character. Yeah, yeah. Ghost of, Ghost of Jim Finch is where you find me. Don't think you've posted in years. Not on Twitter. He's a ghost. It's all I good. a ghost, so Same not thing, in the show. Instagram, you can get real. Uh, I'm on Twitter at ScottWilsonBC. You can check me out on Letterboxd. S-K-O-T-T-E. I keep it real over there like no one else does. So <laughs> I do it for everybody. Um, Verticalviewing.com is where you can donate to the show. You can help us keep the lights on. Slice off a piece of that internet pie. It goes in your ears every week free of charge. Mm-mm-mm. But if you want to have a little one night stand, short term relationships, that PayPal donate button. A casual acquaintance. Is your friend. You can input anything you want. But if you want a little bit more. Yeah, if, if you want access to old school reviews, Jake Gyllenhaal reviews. Voting power. If you want voting power, if you want us to review your movie of choice. You have your, your or, voice heard. Maybe your movie. If you, well, if you make one, yeah. <laughs> make sure it's legally releasable and not just to, you know, just stick your phone down your pants and say it's a movie that we have to review. We'll watch it, but. Uh, <laughs> we may not review it. Uh, go to patreon.com slash vertical viewing. Therein becoming a hydrogen, helium, lithium level subscriber at the rate of one, two, or three dollars per month. Become an elemental. Yes, you can help us run the show just like Chris, Nick, and Martin do. They are our favorite patrons. You should become one too. They're running things, and you can too. Yes! Get your ass in there. Those Jake Gyllenhaal reviews don't make themselves. They're might, really worth listening. We might make some cartoons. It might be cool. Uh, are there any <coughs> final thoughts from y'all? I'm so sad. I am too. See, this movie sucked. Yeah, there's there's something here, and I'm not going to waste time. So this movie sucked. Yeah, we we know that you think it sucked. So if we were to look at how you feel about the first one and how you feel about this one and plot the direction, it wouldn't them. be vertical. It would be in your vertical. So <laughs> keep it vertical. Whatever. <laughs>